You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, hello and welcome along to this bonus show, an extra slice of Attaboy Clarence that's being released on a very special day indeed. Wednesday, July the 17th, which is the birthday of a great Hollywood legend. And the subject of my Secret History of Hollywood series, Bullets and Blood. Yes, born on this day in 1899 was James Cagney, who, if he'd lived, would have been 120 years old today. I love it when people put posts like that on social media. If he'd lived, he would have been 458 years old today. Yeah, I really bet he wishes he'd reached that grand old age in his life, but not sure he'd be living in the traditional sense. Anyway, not only is it James Cagney's birthday, but it's also mine. Yes, today I am celebrating another year on this earth myself. Wonderful that I get to share my birthday with such an iconic and dazzling talent such as James Cagney. You may notice a slight difference in sound quality. I'm not actually in my usual recording space today. Birthday disruptions have seen to it that I can't actually set up the whole thing. (laughs) I usually have it. So my apologies if it sounds a little bit different. It sounds a bit chamber pot. (laughs) God, remember that? So anyway, to mark both special occasions, I thought today I'd get up early, I'd sneak myself a piece of cake, I'd drink some coffee, and I'd get onto some podcasting. By the way, it might seem like it's gone a little bit quiet over here at the moment. It always does when I'm hard at work on the old writing. Yes, I'm currently hard at work writing and researching the final episode in the Shadows series, which is almost done. It's incredibly big. Such a huge episode so far. In fact, if you are a fan of the longer Secret History shows, you'll be very happy indeed. Alongside that, I'm also working on the new Blueprints podcast for patrons and the next Attaboy Clarence show, so it's all go. For those of you in the London area, by the way, I'm going to be at the Anchor Bankside Pub on August the 9th from 5pm onwards for a meetup of sorts. I and a bunch of the Talking Pictures TV podcast team will be there. So if you're around on that day, do pop in and have a drink with us. That's the Anchor Bankside Pub on Friday, August the 9th from 5pm onwards. Anyway, I digress. So for this episode, I put it to you guys. Which Cagney movie would you like me to review for you? Now, I've already reviewed quite a few, so the options were a little bit limited. And by the narrowest of margins, I mean, the poll finished like an hour ago, you chose the 1957 biopic he made about the life of silent movie star Lon Chaney. It's called Man of a Thousand Faces which sees Cagney playing Cheney and co-starring with Dorothy Malone, Jane Greer, and Robert Evans. The actor is a very special human being. There are only a few who possess his peculiar magic, that extraordinary ability to make us feel, to lift us out of our own existence and make us believe in the world of make-believe. I'm speaking of the great ones now. Those that audiences have selected and set apart. 
Some no longer here to enchant you, but, well, will always be remembered. We cannot replace these personalities. There can only be one of each, born out of their own personal joys and sorrows. Life shapes them in wondrous ways, often beautiful, sometimes with flaws, but all quite rare. Such a one was Lon Chaney. With his God-given talent, he did more than just portray a thousand faces. He illuminated certain dark corners of the human spirit. He showed the world the souls of those people who were born different from the rest. To understand why he was destined for this, we would only have to go back to any day in his boyhood in the town of Colorado Springs. Not a very easy boyhood, where his parents were different. The story follows Lon Chaney throughout his life, beginning as a young boy in a small town who finds himself toughened by the prejudice he faces on a daily basis because of his parents' disabilities. Both his mother and his father are deaf-mutes and regularly find themselves being scorned and mocked by the small-minded townsfolk. Well, this bullying has instilled two qualities into Cheney, an instinct to always fight back and fight hard, and a remarkable talent for silent communication. Not only is he adept at sign language, but also at mime, so that he can fluently communicate with his parents. This stands him in great stead, of course, when he embarks on a theatrical career as a young man, where his skills as a mime are put to good use as a clown. For years, Cheney works the stages of America building a name for himself, and it's during this time that he meets and falls in love with beautiful actress Cleaver Creighton, and they swiftly marry. When Cleaver announces that she's pregnant with their first child, Cheney realizes that it's time he told her the truth about his family and their afflictions, hoping that Cleaver will accept it with grace. But unfortunately, she has the entirely opposite reaction. I thought if you saw them, just another family, like any other... Was it that hard to look at them, Cleaver? I couldn't stand it. Why? Because they're different? Because they can't speak? Does that make them freaks? Don't shout, Lon. They can't hear me! What did you expect of me? That I was going to accept things all in a minute? You grew up with them. They've talked to me all my life. With their hands. Yes, I can hear them. I've always heard them. But ask them about my baby. Ask them what my baby's going to be like. Will it be like them? It's in your bloodline. It can happen again. I don't want to have it. I don't want to have it. I don't want to be mother to a dumb thing. Yes, Cleaver is convinced that her child, when born, will be a deaf-mute too, which drives an instant wedge between them. When the child, a boy, is born, however, it soon becomes clear that all is well. He can hear, he can talk, but the damage done to their relationship is unsalvageable by now. Cleaver's determined to free herself from Cheney by winning a job that puts her in the path of a string of rich wolves and starts an affair behind Cheney's back while he struggles to maintain his stage career and bring up their young son. Finally, in desperation, Cheney has Cleaver fired from her job so that she can return home to care for their son. In revenge for this, Cleaver arrives at the theatre one night while Cheney is performing, walks onto the stage, and in front of a horrified audience, drinks a vial of acid in an attempt to kill herself and wreak scandal upon her husband. They love him, don't they? 
Wait a minute. What are you doing? But Cleaver is not killed. She has destroyed her vocal cords, but she's rescued by doctors. Determined to heal his family's wounds, Cheney makes his peace with what's happened and attempts to unite the three of them for all time. But Cleaver is ashamed and very resentful and flees, leaving her young son heartbroken. It's then that Cheney decides upon a drastic course of action. He will tell his son that his mother is dead and do his best to raise him without her. Cleaver's not here. What? Where is she? They don't know. Nobody saw her leave. Lana, I think she's just running from everything that's happened. Mm. Including her son. Look, give her a little time, Lana. Let her try and work it out. No, no. She's run out on him for the last time. So help me. So help me as I stand here. She'll never get near him again. But the courts are not convinced that Cheney's stage career is stable enough for him to be able to support a child and demand that until he's found long-term financial stability and established a home fit for the boy, his son Creighton must be placed in care. You'll have lots of fun here, son. All those children to play with and the toys and the swings. You'll be a good boy, huh? You know. I'll come to see you every week. Every week. And it won't be for long, son. I promise you. You won't be for long. Seeking a new, reliable career, Cheney travels to California and Hollywood and applies himself fiercely to carving out a movie career so that he can win back his son from the state. Oh, I'm sorry, Don. Always did like chocolate, Gert. Always like chocolate. Mm. Oh, and Gert, thanks. Oh, forget it. No, I mean it. Just before I was so deliciously blinded by this chocolate pie, I saw something. If a guy can be enough things in this business, he can make a living. Now listen, don't start spending the money. You've still got that face. Uh, I've got a box full of faces, Gert. Whole box full. <laughs> and that, I think, is where I'll leave. I know that's an incredibly lengthy synopsis so far. But amazingly, that is only the first half of the movie. Yes, this is a two-hour movie. And we don't even get to Hollywood until the one-hour mark. And I kind of like that about this movie. It could so easily have been a fawning love letter to Hollywood, as many of these biopics are. But Man of a Thousand Faces wisely chooses to tell the story carefully and focus on the far more dramatic tale of Cheney's personal life. I do like a biopic. I mean, I make them for a living, as you know, and so I do like to see them from time to time. I think biopics are a marvellous way of telling a real-life story. Now, obviously you have to play up the drama when you're writing one, because otherwise you'd have long stretches of people reading in chairs or mumbling to each other. So drama is important. It's no different here. Drama is key to this tale, and as such, it has been slightly embellished. I mean, not much, I have to say. You think that drinking acid and long-lost mothers and deaf parents might have been the invention of a screenwriter, but no, all that is true. But Cheney is given a very Hollywood ending, and the bits with his son at the end are almost entirely fabricated, although they are built upon the bones of what really happened. If you're a fan of old Hollywood, then you will love 
the depictions of the studio at the time. Irving G. Thalberg is a main character in the film. He's played by Robert Evans, who actually went on to be the head of Paramount Studios. And seeing James Cagney recreating some of Lon Chaney's finest moments, such as Phantom of the Opera and Hunchback of Notre Dame, and his now lost performance in The Miracle Man is really something. James Cagney is phenomenal in this. He could so easily have done a Chaney himself and altered his appearance to look more like the man. But he wisely chooses to just play the part as Cagney with a few variations. What that does is it allows you to focus on the character instead of what the character was supposed to look like. And the script doesn't shy away from the fact that Chaney wasn't perfect. In fact, he comes across as deeply flawed in this. He suffers from an enormous surplus of pride and anger and bitterness. And the film isn't afraid of letting you see that. So as biopics go, this really is a good one. You get the drama, you get the fascinating insights into the Hollywood of that period. You get a towering performance from James Cagney. And you get to see the remarkable story of one of Hollywood's true pioneers, as well as the early story of one of its other legends. Because yes, this is also the story of Lon Chaney Jr., after all. Man of a Thousand Faces, then, from 1957. Do check it out. It won the vote, by the way, by two votes. <laughs> so close. Well, onto a piece of radio, Cagney, for you. This time an adaptation of the universal hit Next Time We Love, which is sometimes known as Next Time We Live, which had originally starred James Stewart and Margaret Sullivan on screen. But in this adaptation, which was staged by the Screen Guild Theatre, James Cagney and Olivia de Havilland were cast, which is a wonderful combination, I'm sure you'll agree. And so, happy birthday, Jimmy. Happy birthday to you also, Mr. Haviland, who turned 102 this month, and happy birthday to me too. James Cagney, Olivia de Havilland, and Jeffrey Lynn in Next Time We Love. See you afterwards. James Cagney, Olivia de Havilland, Jeffrey Lynn. The Gulf Screen Guild Theatre. Our neighborhood good golf dealer and the Gulf Oil Companies welcome you to the Gulf Theater, the one place where you meet all your favorite stars. Edward G. Robinson, Rosalind Russell, Don Amici, Cary Grant, Spencer Tracy. These are just a few of the Hollywood stars who will appear here in weeks to come. And tonight, the Gulf Theater presents James Cagney, Olivia de Havilland, Jeffrey Lynn, Oscar Bradley and the Gulf Orchestra, and the director of the Gulf Theater, your host, Roger Pryor. Good evening, everyone. I got a real thrill when I saw that on-the-air signal flash a few seconds ago because tonight's play is one that I've always wanted to produce here in the Gulf Theater. It's a story by Ursula Parrott called Next Time We Live, all about what happens when a career girl and a newspaper reporter fall in love. And the cast, Olivia de Havilland as Sicily, a college undergraduate, Jeffrey Lynn as Tommy, and Jimmy Cagney in the role of a newspaper reporter. The action of the story takes us clear around the world, and you can bet some of the scenes took a lot of rehearsal. But the stars don't mind that because, after all, the Gulf Theater is the star's own theater. Naturally, they want to give their very best performances because every cent that Gulf would ordinarily give to these stars and to the writers goes instead to help meet the needs of the motion picture relief fund and to build a home for the less 
fortunate members of the industry. And now, the house lights slowly dim here in the Gulf Theater. The stage lights come up. The curtain rises on tonight's play, Next Time We Live. Train 14, Albany Local, leaving on track 6. Better get aboard, miss. The train leaves in three minutes. Yes, but I'm waiting for someone. Uh, Sicily. Albany. You're Sicily. You must be from everything Chris said. Why, yes. Here, I'll take your bag. Come on. Oh, I'm Tommy. Tommy Abbott. Oh, of course. You're Chris's friend. You live in the same house. Uh, you have something to do with Hollywood, and you're crazy. <laughs> is that what that redhead said about me? Where is Chris? He's still at the paper. A flash on the UP wire said that they, they got Dillinger in Tucson. Chris called me to say he had to stand by to do a special story. Hey, wait! Wait! Chris! Made it with 30 seconds to spare. Oh, Chris! Oh, you had me scared. Well, I'd be here, didn't I? Hey, give me that bag. I'll take you to see. Goodbye, Tommy. You as well stand in. Goodbye. Now, wait me here, Tommy. I want to talk to you. Okay. Train's going to start. It's a well idea. Maybe I'll go to Vassar, too. Think I'd get by? Oh, you'd be a sensation. Yeah. Hey, this is goodbye. You realize that? Of course, it won't be forever, but... It'll seem like it. And, darling, if somebody else comes along... Talk like that, and I'll ring your neck. A girl the way it causes an awful useless person to be in love with Chris. You're my woman. Get that? Oh, I got it. And vice versa, Mr. Tyler. Uh, look. You know, this is a sensible, sane thing to do, don't you? Oh, of course. You've got to be free until you really get started. We couldn't afford to get married on a reporter's salary, could we? Say not. Cicely. Cicely, what would happen if you didn't take this train? Why, everything. I'm supposed to be the lead in fall pay. I'm managing junior par. Oh, nothing had happened that mattered. Nothing, Chris, if you want me to stay. Give me that bag. Darling. Come on, you've just graduated from college. Hey, Mister, you can't get old now. The train's moving. Come on, jump. I'll catch you. I made it. Oh, Chris. Oh, Chris. Put me down. Oh, no. Turn your face this way. Well, you've got too much lipstick on, but I think I'll take a chance. Well, nothing like demonstrations of affection in public places, I always say. Come on, Tommy. Maybe you don't know it, but you're going to be the best man at our wedding. carried over your first threshold. Oh, sweet home. Mm-hmm. Hot and cold water, genuine carpet on the floor, and electric light. There's a swell view of a brick wall from the window there, and if you stretch your neck, you can see a tree in Washington Square. Not much, but oh, Henry likes it. Oh, Henry, did he live here? Mm-hmm, right in this very room. Oh, someday they'll say that Chris Tyler lives here. Uh, and Mrs. Chris Tyler. Oh, say that again. Mrs. Chris Tyler. Chris, I'm afraid. Afraid about what? About you and me. I mean... What if I'm a burden to you? Right now, it's so important to your career that you'll be, you'll be free. I thought we'd scrap that idea. Oh, Chris. I've got to find something to do to help out. Oh, sure, sure. How about a nice job driving a cab and I won't have to work at all? <laughs> I can act. You saw me in two college plays and said that I, I reminded you of Hayes. I meant Will Hayes, not Helen. Chris. I'm serious, Chris. Your friend Tommy can help me. Look, it's already been my idea. It won't place in the home, but... If you've got your heart set on this, why, you know... I have, Chris. It's a partnership, and, and that's the only way I can help. Well, go ahead and try it. Look, will you tell me something? What made you decide to get off that train? You asked me to. Well, what, what made you say yes? Oh, I knew a long time ago I'd say yes when if you asked me. There's never been anyone else to me. Oh, darling. Oh, I love you. That's the only thing that matters in my life. Now and always. 
I'll take a chance and give Cicely Tyler a small part in the next play I'm producing, Tommy. That's great. Thanks for doing this for me, Jennings. And uh, don't believe those lies I told you about her experience. She hasn't had any. But you can believe me when I tell you she has something the theater needs. Looks like Tommy was right, Cicely. You proved to me you belong in the theater. You're not just a stage-struck girl. Oh, coming from a producer like you, Mr. Jennings, that means a lot. There's an important part in my new play that you can have, if you'll promise to work hard. You know I will. Thank you, Mr. Jennings. Well, I wouldn't offer you this promotion, Chris, if you hadn't earned it. Foreign correspondent. That's wonderful. Well, better get your passport and visa, Chris. Sure. My wife always wanted to travel when we got rich. <laughs> Wait till she hears we're going to Italy. How soon do we have to sail? Within a week. Uh-huh. We'll be ready. And I don't know how to thank you, Mr. Carter. Oh, forget it. Well, anyway, thanks. Chris! Darling. I've got the most I've got something to tell you and knock your eye out. Just can wait. They can't top this. Look, we're going to Rome next week. Rome? Yeah, Carter just told me. How do you like it? You're the wife of a foreign correspondent. We're success, honey. We're on our way. Rome, there may be China, Turkey, Tokyo, wherever there's action. New people, new places. This is the most important thing that ever happened to us. Rome, China, Turkey, Tokyo. You'll have to get out of that play right away. Oh, but Chris, listen. What's, what's the matter? Oh, look, darling. Uh, um, now, please don't be angry, but... I don't think I'd... Well, I... No, I'd be an expense for one thing. Nonsense. I got another raise. You don't have to work anymore. But, Chris, I... I can't get out of my contract that quickly, and... And Jenny's offered me a, pay, a part in his new play today, and I... Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted to tell you. Mm. So that's it. You'd rather stay in that show than go away with me. Oh, no, Chris, no. Oh, I should never have let you go on the stage in the first place. Never should have let me. I get it. The same old story. Reporter marries actress, she makes more than he does. It goes to her head. Career becomes more important than her husband, and... She runs out on him. That's a lie, Chris. It's the truth, and you know it. Oh, Chris, stop, stop. Oh, I couldn't wait to get home to tell you. Oh, what are we saying to oh, each other? I don't know. I don't know. It wasn't me saying those things. I, I've been proud of what you've done. Honest, I have. I know you have. Well, you've been wonderful. It just it, it kind of hit me right between the eyes, me going away and you staying here. Just thinking about it made me feel sick all over. What's it going to be like when I, I really have to be without you? Tell me one thing. I have to know. Am I all you want of, of women in the world? You're all I want of women in the world. The whole wide world. That's the one thing I'm sure of. Oh, then nothing can hurt us, darling. Because you're all I'll ever want. Of men. Goodbye for a while, Cicely. Goodbye, Chris. Look, darling, if things get too tough over here, will you? Oh, I got off a train once because you asked me to, so even if... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing. Chris, say it for me. Say you love me always. Say you love me all your life. I love you, Cicely. When you're 99 and I'm 101. Goodbye, darling. Goodbye. So long, so long, sweet.
Grizzly, tell me something, will you? Whose career were you thinking of when you decided to stay behind? Yours or Chris's? Tommy, I... I didn't think I'd be much help in Rome if I were more or less sick for months. Chris would have to worry about doctors and he couldn't get pasteurized milk for... with a baby. Oh. The most adequate thing I can think of to say is just... Oh. Naturally, Chris doesn't know. And you mustn't let him know, Tommy. Don't tell Chris. Promise me. Cicely, sometimes I think you're the wisest of women. And sometimes I think you're just a little girl with a head full of romantic nonsense. A baby? <laughs> no. No, I won't tell Chris. here in the Gulf Theater. While we're waiting for the curtain to rise on the second act, there's something I'd like to say. Speaking not only as the director of the Gulf Theater, but as one of your neighbors in this country of ours. You know, the month of February, with the birthdays of two great Americans coming only ten days apart, is naturally a time when all of us take stock of what our country has accomplished. We feel a new sense of pride in our heritage of freedom, of tolerance, and independence. And in the splendid material civilization that this heritage has made possible... Because behind the most familiar things in life, behind our radios, our labor-saving appliances, behind our automobiles and our homes, we can see the working of a typically American idea. The idea of making things better and better year after year. Manufacturers have put armies of scientists to work on great research programs so that their products can be constantly improved. You see the results in the electrical industry, in foods and clothing, and in transportation of all kinds. Gulf is proud to be part of this peaceful march of progress, made possible by progressive American manufacturers in many industries. In our own fields, motor fuels, lubricants, and other petroleum products, Gulf promises you the best, the best that its technical men and its workers can produce. The curtain of the Gulf Theater is about to rise on the second act of tonight's play, starring James Cagney as Chris... Olivia de Havilland as Sicily, and Jeffrey Lynn as Tommy. Seven months have passed since the first act. Chris and Sicily, his actress wife, have been apart. Chris in Ethiopia covering the war, and Sicily in her latest play on Broadway. But then Chris got a cable from Tommy in New York saying that Sicily was about to have a baby. Frantically, Chris ran out on his job, grabbed the first boat for America, and now we find them rushing up the stairs of their flat to see Sicily. Sicily! We've been waiting for you, Father Tyler. Oh, why didn't you let a guy know? How'd you get away from your job? Never mind that now. Was the Walter for you, darling? Oh, not so awful, because I always had this moment to look forward to. Hey, that's the kid. That's him. You'd better go and introduce yourself. Oh. Hello, fella. I'm the old man. You know me? Hey, what's his name? Chris. Same as yours. We're calling Kit for short. That's a pretty husky kid. All right if I touch him? <laughs> you might try. Hmm. He's all warm. Kind of like milk toast. Oh, yeah. Did I do that? No, he's just hungry. Oh. Well, what do you feed him? Oh, really, darling? And you a college man. Well, nobody ever thought to tell me. Oh, no. Chris, oh, my sweet. Hmm? You won't ever go away again, will you? Oh, no, not a chance. This kid's going to be raised right. Best of everything. I'm going to tell my paper I won't work anywhere but New York.
Howdy, ma'am. The whole park is there for your child with just this bench. Tommy, how are you? And how is Hollywood? <laughs> Don't ask. Hey, let's have a look at my godchild. Oh, will you listen to that? I believe he knows me. Don't you think he's very bright for his man? Bright? He's absolutely brilliant. Aren't you, big fella, huh? Yeah. <laughs> How's about lunch, Cicely? Oh, thanks. I, I've had lunch, but why not call Chris? Oh, Chris suggested that I take you. I hear he's working for the City News Bureau now. His paper fired him for running out on that job in Ethiopia. And this was all he could get. Yeah. Tells me he may take a job as advanced publicity man for a circus. He won't take that. He mustn't. Why don't I ever get girls like you? What do you mean? Oh, that look on your face when you talk about Chris. Cicely, let me help you and Chris out. Thank you, Tommy, but I... No, no, wait a minute. You're still an actress, and a good one. It's time for you to get back to work. To do that, you need money to take care of Kit and buy new clothes to any interview managers. I'll loan you the money for both. Well, how about it? I can't refuse, Tommy. If it were just myself, I wouldn't care, but... But, Chris, oh, you don't know what's happened to him. He tries to pretend, but... It's a bargain, Tommy. And I'm not ever going to try to find the words to say how much it means. Chris, guess what? What's the matter? What's happened? Lots of contract, Chris. A six-month contract at 150 a week. Contract to do what? Act. A grand part. Think what it means. The nurse we kept, the back rent paid, and... Mm -hmm. All this came just about in time, didn't it? you glad about it? Yeah, sure, sure, I'm glad. Well, isn't it wonderful? Mm -hmm, yeah, it's wonderful for you. Oh, darling. Listen, while you're out, I made up my mind to take that circus job. Oh, Chris, you can't. You're a newspaper It'll man. pay the rent and get a nurse for kid, won't it? But, darling, if you wait... I've waited long enough. I'm not going to sit around and let my wife support me. Now I got wise to myself. I've been thinking I was a big shot because I used to be a foreign correspondent. All the time, I've been a flop as a husband and a father. Oh, Chris, please don't take that circus I've got to, off. Cicely. That's... Don't let's talk about it anymore. <laughs> you ask is impossible, Mrs. Tyler. The night your husband deserted us in Ethiopia, we missed a big story. One of the biggest of the year. Mr. Carter, do you know why he left Ethiopia when he did? Yes. But well, what would no... you have done under the circumstances? You actually want to get your husband back into his correspondence job? Most wives hate the newspaper business. I couldn't hate the thing that's Chris's life, Mr. Carter. Hmm? What's his number? Chelsea 4883. Give me Chelsea 4883. How about uh, Russia, Mrs. Tyler? Russia. Yes, Russia. Siberia, Far East. It'll mean months in the interior when you won't even hear from him. Had I uh, better forget it? No. And you'll stick it out, Mr. Carter. I... I won't do anything to bring him back. Tyler, Moscow. New purge looms in Soviet regime. As prominent government officials were today brought a trial... Places, curtain. Jenny. You needn't be. There's your cue. Good luck. Tyler, Kappa, China. The city was bombed for the, on the air, from the air for the seventh day. It's estimated that 1,579 people are Beautiful performance, Cicely. Beautiful. Oh, was it all right? All right. Cicely, Tyler, you're a star. 
Tommy. <laughs> and to think I knew her when. Oh, it's grand to see you again. Uh, that's the secret of social success. I disappear for a year or two, and people appreciate me when I come back. How's Kit? Big. Five years old last May. Five years. How about Chris? He wrote me he'd quit his job and was going to Switzerland to write a book. That's all he wrote me. Incidentally, I I hear rumors about you in a very attractive blonde. Are they true? Well, am I going to marry her, you mean? I may. We've talked about it. Well, what are you waiting for? You. Tommy. After six years, it may sound a little sudden. But would you divorce Christopher and marry me? You see, I happen to be in love with you. I have been ever since I can remember. Didn't know. I didn't intend you should. You always loved Chris. Yes, and you still do. Even if you'd rather write a book in Switzerland than come back to you. Tell me, how many times have you two been together in the past five years? Oh, once in Paris and two weeks in Italy. Four times altogether. None of them very long. What's keeping you apart now? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's been just... Too long. Maybe. Can we hear some music on the radio? What? Chris asked me if I didn't want a divorce. Then, will you marry me, Cicely? He's done and said everything he could to tell me that he he doesn't love me anymore. And I still feel I must wait, Tommy. I'm not sure that I know what for, but but I must wait. Why did you turn off the radio? The night before Chris and I were married. And I thought I was going back to college. They they played that song at the Biltmore. Oh, Tommy. We had so much, Chris and I. How did it ever turn out like this? I don't know. Listen. Before it's too late, let me do one more thing for you. Suppose we both go to Switzerland to find Chris. And find out. running in New York. Tommy and I arrived this morning. Oh, Chris, you... You look so... tired. I've been working hard on my novel. <clears throat> you get my letter. One saying you want a divorce? Yes. Yeah, I didn't think you'd want to see me again. Oh, Chris. <clears throat> well, naturally, we can't go on like this. Half married and half not married. No, I suppose not. Chris, why are we like this? Oh, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Just that the one day I realized I'd stopped thinking of you for a very long time. Oh, I see. Well, I guess... I guess there's nothing more to be said. Kit send his love. Thanks. Take him mine. Must be quite a boy by now. Yes, and he looks more and more like... Goodbye, Chris. Seriously, I, I, I've explained this pretty badly. I wouldn't wouldn't hurt you for anything. That's, that's why I want you to be free. Because if we kept on like this, you'd be hurt a lot, you see? No, Chris. I only know I'd rather have gone on another ten years, twenty years with you, meeting just when we could, than have spent my whole life with anyone else in the world. I'd better go. Wisely. Goodbye, Chris. And maybe, next time we live, we'll have time for each other. Hello, Chris. 
Find another visitor? No, no, come in. No use saying I'm glad to see you, Tommy. Sisley's just leaving. You can keep me company. Why are you leaving, Sisley? Because what Chris wrote in his letter was true. He doesn't want me anymore. Do you really believe that? Look, Tommy, I appreciate you bringing Sisley all the way here, but please keep out of our affairs. No, I've butted into your lives ever since I can remember. I'm not going to stop now. What do you mean, Tommy? If you weren't the two finest people I ever knew, I would keep my mouth shut. And Cicely and I would go back to America. After a while, I think I could wear down a resistance and she'd marry me. That'd make me the happiest guy in the whole world. Will you shut me out of here? I'm not interested in what anyone does anymore but me. You understand? Chris loves you just as much as he ever did, Cicely. More, I guess. The reason Chris is sending you away is because he's a sick man. The doctors say he may never be any better. Who told you that? You don't know what you're talking about. Your old boss came over in the same boat we did. He told me why you resigned. Chris, is this true? Yeah, sure, it's true. But what of it? I know what I'm doing. I know I'm going to use the rest of my life. Oh, Chris, Chris, darling, why didn't you tell me? Why? Just, uh, have you think just because I needed you that... Oh, because you needed me. Oh, no, Chris, because I need you desperately. Let's sum it up by just saying you both need each other. That's the way of it, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I've just about time to make that train back to Paris and the boat to New York. A certain blonde young lady there may meet the boat. I hope. She's very charming and doesn't know what a fool she's marrying. Well, here we are again. Look, darling, once more I've got to tell you, got to. You're letting yourself in for an awful lot. This may take years. I may never get well again. Oh, we've so much time. You told me once we'd love each other until I'm 99 and you're 101. Yeah, I remember that, darling. I remember that. Our love got lost somewhere for a little while. But now it's found again. Well, this time we hold on to it, won't we? Oh, Always, darling. Even longer than that, Mrs. Tyler. Even longer than that. And that was James Cagney, Olivia de Havilland, and Jeffrey Lynn in Next Time We Love brilliant stuff. Well, thank you for joining me today for this bonus edition. Remember, if you'd like more of these bonus Attaboy Clarence shows, extra reviews, extra radio, all that kind of thing, you can go over to patreon.com slash attaboysecret. Only takes a minute to sign up. There are already hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of extra bonus content there ready for you straight away. I'm off to blow out my candles now and get my birthday bumps. Next week, Attaboy Clarence returns... But until then, take awfully good care of yourselves. And bye for now. My mother thanks you. My father thanks you. My sister thanks you. And I assure you, I thank you. Spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and more time actually watching and playing what you want with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts.